to see you all here today. So glad to be here. And what a privilege we have with this worship team. Oh my goodness. Let's give it up for them. Leading us in worship week in and week out. My name is Josh. Uh, my wife calls me Joshua. You might have met her as you came in this morning. Uh, it was the beautiful lady at the door. And, um, you know, my mother-in-law, she calls me Joshi, and my sister calls me Yeshua. And some of you have probably called me Luke. I have a lot of names, okay? That probably stems from having three first names, Joshua, Adam, Luke. But whatever you... Uh, Whatever you decide to call me, I want to welcome you this morning to Crosstown. We are in the middle of our plotline series, and I, I want to thank Pastor Paul, our lead teacher, um, and our wonderful pastor for giving me the opportunity to be here and share this message with you that I believe God laid on my heart, and I know that it's uh, sunk in deep with me, and I hope that um, you've come with an open heart and mind as well. Listen, uh, we're in this plotline series, and, and it's been good so far. We've, we've covered a lot of different topics, right? We've teamed up with the Bible Project. You can Google them up. I invite you to do so. But first, check out our, our series, because we've teamed up with them on some topics that I feel like, and we've, we've just felt like that maybe we've lost the plotline in as we've gone about our faith journey, right? Um. I lose the plot line quite often, actually. Uh, my wife has a photo album of me, and um, it's, uh, it's not that kind of photo album, but it's, um, it's a photo album of me losing the plot line like, completely because it's a photo album of me sleeping on her shoulder. She thinks it's hilarious to snap a picture every time I fall asleep. And literally every time we watch a TV show or a movie at the end of the day, I am out. Like it takes me probably 15 seconds. It's that quick. And there I am sleeping on her shoulder. So she has about 80 pictures, <laughs> I kid you not, of me sleeping on her shoulder. And this isn't like a, oh, look at Josh, he's asleep, he's a cutie. It's not that kind of sleeping, okay? It's ugly sleeping. I mean, my glasses are crooked. My hair's messed up because, I mean, I work from home, okay? I, I don't shower every day and, and my hair gets kind of messy, okay? So my hair's messed up, my glasses, my mouth is open, drool's coming out, my eyelids she says that I sleep with my eyelids open. I know that's freaky. And I was going to show some pictures this morning, but I didn't want to traumatize you guys, okay? We want this to be encouraging. And, uh, and, and you know, now that I think about it, uh, you might have been encouraged. If you did see it, you would probably have been like, well, okay, I got my life together. God is blessing me, and uh, I don't look like that. So uh, thank you, Lord. I digress. Uh, we're going to talk about temple this morning. That's the topic of today. And uh, again, we're teaming with the Bible Project. And, and I want to invite you guys to, once again, have an open mind. I might share some things that might be a little bit different. Maybe uh, not your traditional understanding of temple. So uh, let's watch the video together. If you could go back to the city of Jerusalem during Bible times, the biggest thing you'd see 
is the temple. This beautiful building was designed by King David and built by King Solomon, and they believed that it was the home of the God of the universe. Wait, I thought God's home was in heaven. Well, the whole point of this earthly temple is that it's the place that overlaps with God's heavenly home. The temple is where God lives and rules all creation as king. That's cool, but even Solomon, who built the temple, didn't believe that it could contain the God of the universe, right? Yeah, the building was just a symbol, and it pointed to the fact that all of creation is God's temple. And that's actually what the first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, is all about. Really? It says that creation is God's temple? Well, it doesn't need to say it. The whole story shows it. In Genesis 1, God creates an ordered world out of a dark wasteland by speaking in a series of seven days. Then on the seventh day, God's presence fills creation as he takes up his rest and rule. Similarly, the tabernacle and later the temple were built and dedicated in a series of seven speeches and seven days, after which the priest or king could rest and rule in God's presence. Ah, so all of creation is where God intends to dwell. It's like his temple. Exactly. Now, turn the page to Genesis 2 and we get another portrait of creation. This one focuses in on the land. And in the center of the land is a region called Eden, which in Hebrew means delight. And in the middle of delight, God plants a garden in which God and humanity live together. And that's why the temple was modeled after the garden, filled with imagery of gold and flowers. The menorah symbolized the tree of life. It's the place where God dwells with his people. Oh, got it. And check this out. In the temple, the Israelite priests and Levites were to work and to keep the temple in God's presence. This is exactly the job description given to humanity in the Garden of Eden. So these humans were the first priests. But instead of ruling with God, they wanted to rule on their own terms, and they're exiled from the Garden Temple. And like Adam and Eve, Israel's leaders also wanted to rule on their own terms, and they too were exiled. The temple was destroyed, and this left them wondering, did God give up on Israel? Will God bring about a new creation? Well, the biblical prophets anticipated the day when God would create a new temple with a new priesthood. That's when God's presence would fill all of creation. And when the Israelites returned to the land, they did rebuild the temple. But that temple didn't turn out the way the prophets hoped. In fact, later Israelite prophets said that this temple was hopelessly corrupt. So they're still waiting for the ultimate temple. And here we come to the story of Jesus. He said that through him, God's presence and rule was coming into our world in a new way. And he presented himself as a new kind of priest. But Jesus wasn't a priest and he didn't work in the temple. Right, Jesus said that God's presence, his rest and rule was filling the world through his own life, death and resurrection. Jesus was claiming that he was the true temple. And this new temple would expand out to include all of creation. That's a really big claim. And it got even bigger. After his resurrection, Jesus said that God's presence would come to dwell in and among his followers so that they would become mini temples. Communities of people where God rests and rules. Exactly. This is the Bible's vision of the church, which is described as a temple. Not a building, but people. Yeah, like when Peter says, you all are living stones built up as a temple for God's spirit to dwell. So at the end of the story, do we ever get a new physical temple? 
Well, not exactly. What we see is a renewed cosmic temple, just like Genesis 1. And this new creation doesn't need a temple building because through Jesus, all creation is now the place where God rests and rules the world with his people. Wow, I love it. So what I learned from the video and and through my studies is that temple, the concept of temple, is not a thing, it's, it's actually the dwelling place of God. And I'm gonna share with you this morning a lot of scripture, okay? We're gonna dive in, but I'm not gonna read it all. I'm gonna, we're gonna have some references on the screen for you because I want you to take these references and double check what I'm saying, okay? Double check it, dive in deep yourself. There's a lot of implications here about temple and what that means to us. So we're going to go through what I've identified as the here and now temples, the earthly temples. We're not going to touch on anything in the future, although the Bible does allude to certain things about temple in the future. We're going to take a look at what was here and what was now and maybe, you know, have a historical look as well. So what was the first temple? The first temple that I found in scripture actually was way back at the beginning. Okay, we're going way back to the beginning in in Genesis 1. And what scripture says is that the earth was formless and empty and there was darkness and God's spirit hovered over the waters, right? God's spirit was there, it was where he was dwelling and he was hovering over the waters. This is before the world was formed. And then the holy G chord struck. That's more like a drop D. Can somebody, Ricky, help me out? I don't know G. Like it's more like Chris Tomlin. Anybody familiar with him? Uh, Something like that. I don't know. But anyways, the sound sounded. And God said, let there be light. And boom, the drums came in and we had the first worship service complete with light show in the Bible right there. Thank you very much. Temple number one. That brings us to temple number two, which was touched on in the, in the video, right? It was the Garden of Eden. And I just love what, what, uh, what scripture says. It says in Genesis 3.8, it says, Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. He was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and Eve were there. This was actually right after they took a bite of the forbidden fruit. But they knew the sound of the Lord walking in the garden because he had been there. He was dwelling there with them. It wasn't the sound of a deer walking up, wrestling the leaves or the breeze, you know, blowing the trees. It was the Lord walking in the garden and they knew that sound. They didn't see him at that moment. They knew the sound. I wonder today if we know the sound of the Lord whenever we hear it. I know that I know the sound of my kids and my wife walking through the house. You might be the same, right? So my wife, um, 
she doesn't really actually have a sound because she more like swoops in when you're least expecting and she's just like there and you're like, whoa, hey. And there's, there's no sound and, and I have theories behind that. It's probably her angel wings, you know, carrying her through the house. And, and I mean, it's beautiful. It's scary, but it's beautiful. And, but I have two kids too, okay? And we're living in a two-story house and so I always know which kid is about to come downstairs if I'm downstairs, right? So one of my children, uh, my oldest, has very heavy feet. So it's, I mean, it's just straight. The whole way down the stairs, you know that is Amelia, Rowan, Luke coming uh, with some sort of request or, uh, you know, asking what we're going to be doing that day and making plans of her own. But then there's my my youngest sister, or not sister, my sister in the Lord. Um, no, my youngest daughter, Clara, she is seriously just like this. It's like, wham! And then it's like that. Because I kid you not, everywhere she goes, she either runs into something or falls down. And so you know that's her coming, okay? Whenever you hear the big boom, Okay. And then the pitter-patter of the feet. We know the sound of those dwelling among us. I'm sure you're the same way. But I just think it's so beautiful that they knew the sound of the Lord walking in the garden. The third temple that we come to was the wilderness. Maybe you guys are familiar with the story of the Israelite people. And they were, they were in bondage, enslaved in Egypt. And then God delivered them from Egypt through Moses Everything went down with the plagues and now they're in the wilderness and God is there with his presence and he's leading the people by a pillar of fire and a cloud, right? And then about a year later, you know, theologians and historians estimate uh, they ended up building the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we know the Ark of the Covenant probably from Indiana Jones, but the Ark of the Covenant was a, symbol, a symbolic uh, piece of architecture that signified the presence of God. It wasn't necessarily God just entrapped in this, this uh, beautiful architecture that was built, but God gave them the instructions in how, you know, explicitly how to build this ark, right? And there was also a tabernacle which had the ark in it. And that tabernacle was like a tent, okay? It was a larger tent. But the, but the ark of the covenant went from place to place with them throughout the wilderness and actually into the promised land as well. What they called the promised land, they started um, you know, taking over this land that God had promised them. And the ark went with them into battles, all, all kinds of places, right? The ark ended up getting stolen by the enemy at one point, And they were like, no, send it back. This thing is, is, you know, not good for us. So they sent it back and moved around among the people. But then we get to the fourth temple. This is a span of, of hundreds of years. We get to the fourth temple. And the fourth temple was actually a temple that was a building right? He covered it in the, in the video. Now, let me, and that might be, you know, what we, what we remember or what we have been taught a temple is. Maybe, maybe you come from a different 
faith or something like that. Um, and, and you are familiar with temple as a building that you went to. Maybe it's like a, a thought that's afar off, that's historical, that doesn't really exist anymore. I know we don't use that vernacular in the Bible belt, really. Um, but the temple as a building. So this is where, and, and I struggled with this as I was preparing this, for this morning's uh, message, because there was something, there was some perpendicular thinking that I, I, I came across as I was preparing for this. And so I'm going to ask you for permission again to, to introduce a concept to you about temple that might be a little bit different than how you've heard it taught before or what you've understood because the building as a temple, I believe, was not God's idea. Whoa. That's tough. I mean, God was there, right? I mean, he, he filled the temple. He, I mean, he gave David the plans. Says, well, let me, let me take you back to that time. And again, we're going to have scripture on the screen for you. And I invite you to go back and research this and look into it. Because I got that wild hair. I never noticed it before. But as I was preparing, I, I found this. And, and, and what I did was I, I took it and I researched it with scripture. I looked it up and, and scripture, interprets scripture. So I, I looked at throughout the New Testament, throughout the Old Testament. And I found that this concept was kind of blooming. And so I went and talked to people about it. I was like, man, I got to check this. I got to check this with people of the faith that are wiser and older than me. And, and, and we're going we're gonna to really dive, if we're going to dive deep into this, it has to be correct. But everywhere I turned, it was, this temple isn't my idea, dash God, quote unquote. <laughs> So David, before he builds the temple and before he gets this idea, he's sitting in his palace, okay? He's sitting in his palace. We're familiar. We just talked about the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle, the tent that it stood in, right? So David just had brought the Ark of the Covenant back from where it was. God was blessing people where it was in, in Israel. And, uh, God, and, and so David's like, give me some of that and we're gonna bring it back here. I'm gonna build a tabernacle. It's gonna be right here. But he's sitting in his palace one day and he says, uh, this ain't right. I'm in the palace and, and God is in the tent. This isn't right. And not, that's, that's a perfectly noble you know, kind of thought, right? I mean, it makes sense. God being in a tent, I'm sitting in a palace. This is, not, this is not right here. But the problem was, as we just talked about, God gave the plans of the ark to the people, Moses. And God gave the plans for the tabernacle, the tent that it stood in, to Moses. And the thing was, is that there were temples built with hands all around them. The pagan nations had temple built with hands that they put their idols in and they went there to worship their gods. They just came from the Egyptians who had the same type of thing. Their Pharaoh was their God and they had other gods and, and they worshiped in their temples and their palaces. 
But God said, I'm going to be in a tent. And why is that important? Because a tent is mobile, right? A tent can be moved with the people. A tent is among the people. It's not in some sort of high place. It's with the people. And that was God's idea. So David comes up with this plan and he talks to Nathan, the prophet. Nathan was the prophet in the time of David and, and David comes to Nathan. He's like, hey man, this isn't right. This is, this is, God is in the tent. I'm in the palace. Let's do something about this. I'm gonna build him a house. And Nathan said, okay, do all that's in your heart. God is with you. And then Nathan ran into that perpendicular thought. Because he went home and he had a vision, which God said, no, I do not dwell in a house made with hands. So David will not build me a house. And then it goes on, and, and I invite you to read it some more. Because it goes on in the prophecy that there will be a house out of the line of David. And God will give David a house out of his line that will never end, a kingdom that will never end. And now we, we can look back at that and we can say, that's talking about Jesus. But the problem is, and you might say, okay, thank you for the history lesson, Josh. What does that have to do with today? You know, we, we just talked about I, uh, this temple concept. That was his history. That might be some other religion, but I, I go to church. Well, the problem is, I know some of us, we come to an empty building expecting to feel the presence of God during the week. But guess what? And I'm not saying God won't meet you here, but God meets you anywhere that you're at. He's not confined to a building. But we act like it sometimes. You know, we, we, maybe, maybe you don't come and, uh, you know, when the lights are all off and, and sit out in the parking lot expecting to feel the presence of God, but but maybe you just come on a Sunday morning and that's your fill, that's your checklist. And, you know, you, you appease God by having one worship service a week and, and maybe, you know, saying the prayer that should save your soul from hell. But that's how we act, right? Some, some of us, I mean, we don't, we don't take God with us to the, to the bar or the, the club or... Uh, to our workplace, to our home, some of us. God belongs in church. Hey, hey, preacher, save the sermon for Sunday. That was a quote from uh, Robin Hood. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that just came to my mind. Uh, the Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay, we're bringing it back. Um, <laughs> but you get the idea, right? I mean, how do we act like that? God wants to be among his people. He doesn't live in a house built with human hands. The fifth temple. The fifth temple is actually Jesus. Jesus? Huh? A temple? Jesus was a man, the God man, right? 
How is he a temple? Well, in Colossians 2.9, this is what it says. Remember, temple, the dwelling place of God. For the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. Behold, the virgin will conceive and birth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. That's Jesus. God coming to dwell among the people because we screwed it up. We messed up the temple concept. You know, Jesus, fully God, in all his glory, put on flesh and blood and became fully man also. The perfect human took on all our guilt and all our shame. He suffered so that he can empathize with our suffering. He suffered in every way that we do, Scripture says. So he could empathize with us. And then, he died the death that only the most heinous criminal should die. He was hung on a tree. After three days, he rose, though. And now he lives. And he's asking us this morning, will you enter in? Will you enter in this temple? And this brings us to the sixth temple. The sixth temple this morning is you and me. How can I be a temple if Jesus was a temple? Man, I know what I've done. Are you kidding? How can I be a temple? I think probably what, what prevents us from coming to this in our minds as we read scripture. Yeah, we read, okay, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But some of us, we've done things that prevent us from allowing ourselves to become that temple. I'm not good enough. You don't know what I've done. And you beat yourself and beat yourself up time and time again. There's a story in scripture where Jesus actually goes to the temple made with hands. He enters the temple. There's people all around buying and selling things. This is on, right on the outskirts of the temple. And this 
infuriates Jesus because there's cages everywhere and, and, and people are coming to buy animals for the sacrifice and, and the, the merchants are taking advantage of these people, ripping them off. So he fashions a, a whip and he starts clearing out the temple, knocking over the tables. That temple is you. Stop beating yourself with the whip and hand it over to Jesus. Because the fact is, is this, is that he's not mad at you. He's mad at the things that are holding you back, that are binding you up and putting you in a cage the things that are cheating your soul. Hand over the whip. He loves you. And then there's probably some of us that are like, man, okay, I get get the concept of Eden as a temple. That was God's creation in, in perfection, right? It was beautiful. It was ordered. And I, and I saw in the video where there was amazing architecture, right? The gold plating and the carvings, all of these things in the, in the temple made with hands. That was beautiful. But me, I'm just cheap. I'm, I, don't, I don't like the way I look. I, why would Jesus, what? Why would Jesus even give me the time of day? Let me submit this to you. All of those temples came to an end. Eden, we screwed it up, got kicked out. Not there anymore. Yeah, we can, we can try to build it up in our backyard. I'm building a house right now and I'm trying to make a beautiful garden back there. But it's not Eden. The temple, our best effort to make beauty for God to dwell in. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was worth a lot of money. I read that it was like $3 billion in gold alone. But guess what? They were unworthy. Jesus said, you are worthy to be the temple. So he died to get the Holy Spirit in you to save your soul. Scripture says that those who are in Christ have the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, it's beautiful. Read Romans 8 this week. It's all about the Holy Spirit in you. to God don't let what your mom or your dad or yourself or maybe even someone that claims the name of Jesus don't don't take what they told you take what God told you you are a worthy vessel for his spirit the last temple this morning the last temple is the church 
They covered it in the video. This is why gathering is so important too. Wait a second, Josh, you just like disparaged the building. And now you're gonna say, oh, we're supposed to come to the building? No, I didn't disparage the building. I simply said that God isn't confined to the building. The building is important. It facilitates the gathering of the people together. And you know what? When we gather, there's blessing that flows from that. Now, let me just tell you, take you back to the, they talked about in the video, the second temple, whenever it was rebuilt. Okay, so Nebuchadnezzar came and wiped out the first temple, the Ark of the Covenant gone. Now the the children of Israel taken into captivity for 70 years. They come out of captivity. King Cyrus of Persia orders Zerubbabel and the priest Joshua to go and rebuild the temple. Why are they rebuilding the temple? So they go and they they start rebuilding the temple, but they, they get through the foundation and it's only the foundation. And then for 17 years, it sits at just the foundation. The people forgot about God. 17 years. And then these prophets come, Zechariah and Haggai. I probably just butchered that name, sorry. <laughs> but they come and they talk to Zerubbabel and they say, Gad, the Lord says, gather the people. We need to rebuild the temple. Josh, you just, you just talked about the temple was not important. No, I didn't. I talked about it as a concession that God made to the people. God makes concessions to his people. He made a concession by allowing there to be a king. God was there. It just wasn't his design. Now, they start to come together. And the thing is, is that up until that point, they had nothing in their pantries and their refrigerators were bare, okay? They didn't have any crops in the field. All the crops were gone. They were poor. They thought, how can we possibly rebuild the temple? But the people came together and right after the people came together, God blessed all of them. And it's not because they finished building the temple back. That took a while, but they gathered together. They were about a common cause. They were united in a God-ordained way. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Some of us are asking God to still make that same concession. God, it's good enough for me to just come on Sunday. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. There's power that comes from community. There's power that comes from when we gather. Just imagine the Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God in Laurel and Travis, Eric and Annie, Stacy, all of you. You imagine how powerful that is when we come together? The fact is, is that there's joy and peace and 
blessing that flow from the Spirit of God in us. We are the body of Christ. Yeah, well, I don't like so-and-so. Gets on my nerves. Hey, we're one body with many members, okay? Don't disparage the other members. I mean, there's a scripture that talks about members for honor and and dishonor and all that stuff, but it's clear. It says, don't count them as lesser. Spirit of God's in them too. It's working. We all have different functions. Just, Just don't work, you know, shoulder to shoulder with that person. the assembling we are the temple of God I don't know maybe maybe this just spoke to me this morning and I maybe this was something that you guys knew and and, and that your aces on (laughs) but let me ask you this didn't know or maybe if you've forgotten how does God being in the temple in his temple in you change this week how does it change today as you make your way from the building don't mistake it God is here right now scripture says that Jesus walks among the churches He's here, but it's only because you are here. So when you take him out, how does that change things? Let me close in prayer. Oh God. This temple concept for me, Lord, seemed so cut and dry. Lord God, it, I thought I knew and I, I, I came to you and I, and I asked you what you thought and, and this is what you gave me, Lord. And I, I pray right now that the understanding, the eyes of everyone would be open, Lord God, that they would understand what the implication of God and me is. Lord Jesus, you likened it to a river of living water flowing out from me. God. The river is dry sometimes. thank you I thank you that your body makes up the bigger river Lord and it heals the waters wherever it flows to so I'm so thankful for this community God I hope and it is my prayer that we all 
understand the blessing that flows from each other. That you would unite us in a common cause. That we would flow through our, through our communities, through our businesses, through our families. And that you would heal the, the trees and the water around us. That you would bring forth flourishing. And we ask this in the name of Jesus.